And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 240, aka season 3, episode 60, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC Ken Schoolin. And welcome back, Ken. We missed you for a week there. I got all sad and depressed last week, but always good to have you back. Uh, <laughs> still doing call-ins. So 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so welcome back, Ken. How have you been? What's Very good? good? Yeah, yeah. Um, are, are things going well? <laughs> All right. Uh, we discussed a little bit uh, pre-show, and I have something that I want to get off my chest. So usually I throw it over to you guys, but I've I've got something to say today. So here we go, um, and it's IP related. So I I asked you uh, pre-show, Ken, and, and you can just give me a brief uh, brief summary of what you told me before we got on the air here. Um, I said, "How do you feel about IP, Ken? Like, is this?" something we can talk about it so what is what is your just brief summary on how you feel about intellectual property and then we'll get into my specific issue oh you want my okay actually, just briefly yeah like you said i'm against it I, well uh, intellectual property you could say that i have a right to it so long as i keep it inside my brain <laughs> but as soon as i uh express it and openly uh uh, uh Air ideas, then they're not mine anymore. They're, they're ideas that uh, contribute to the world of knowledge, and and that made me happy, right? Because I've been, I've been in the, I've been in the midst of a Twitter battle uh, over the last few days uh, with with individuals that I'm going to refer to as uh, high ranking party members um, in this community, and I kind of I stole that because we just went through um, November fifth. Yeah, Guy Fawkes Day and all that fun stuff. So I just watched uh, V for Vendetta again, as I as I normally do on the fifth of November to remember and and celebrate that particular day. Whatever. Um, so you know the movie talks about the high ranking party members, and this com- this this community that I'm referring to is like the um, the retro gaming scene, right? And uh, again, it's because I play a lot of video games, so I kind of my life is very segmented. Uh, if you will, right? Like I follow, I follow gaming news on a completely separate channel that I follow, uh, freedom and Liberty news on a completely separate channel that I follow, you know, self growth and personal development. Um, and it's nice. It's kind of nice. Uh, when, when some of those things start to intermix, right? Like, you know, M MC met you through the, through the Liberty channels, but I've also played video games with you, which is cool. Um, and you, I've also, you know, We've also been involved in the same type of self-development, so it's nice when those things intermix. But it's also um, like a, a, a reality check uh, when when they don't overlap. Um, and so what happened was this this particular week uh, within the retro gaming community, uh, a product was introduced uh, from a company um, that I know I know nothing about. Right, and I don't need to know anything about uh, their their history or their background. Um, only that they introduced a product, and their product that they introduced is eerily similar to a product that already exists. Right, and the the high ranking party members uh, with within the retro community called foul. Right, shouted from the rooftops. They stole this great gentleman, another high ranking party member. They stole his product. Right, they 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 have they have copied his idea and his product, and now they're, and they're releasing it for like twenty bucks, twenty thirty bucks less than what this other guy was selling for. So now now you can get like the cheaper version for a significant discount than the original. Right, so it's like you know, and they're undercutting him, costing him money. Potentially, right? Like they don't—they don't even know this to be certain yet, and the product's not even available yet. It's just like, hey, here's, here's this thing that we're doing that's kind of similar to that guy's thing. Um, but the party members cried foul, and uh, during you know my limited uh, my limited research on the subject, right? I watched a, I watched a video uh, of a guy who's like, you know, here's how they've copied it, and here's how they've stolen this idea, um, 
and I got halfway through it. It's like a 12 minute video. I got about halfway through it and I went, ah, this guy has no clue what he's talking about. And my, since I, since I don't tweet very much, I just tweet, boop, lost a lot of respect for that guy because have no idea. And they go like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, he starts off the video by saying like, I've never heard of either of these companies before. I have never heard of these products before. And then proceeds to give his voracious opinion uh, on how this is now a theft. I went, well, that that's obviously wrong, right? Um, this, the second issue that I took with him was there's another product on the market that's similar. And he conflated the two, right? He was saying like, you know, they're copying, you know, they're using this technology to copy this product. And he was completely off base uh, on, on, on that, right? I said, so not only has he admitted he doesn't know what he's talking about, um, number two, He's not even comparing the same products at this point, right? He's comparing uh, what what the new company is offering with a completely different product on the market. And so he definitely has no idea what he's talking about. Um, and uh, the, the third main issue that I took, and it kind of rolled into like the fourth issue, uh, was he was calling it like free market capitalism. You know, this is not what a free, this is not what a free market uh, in ideas looks like, you know, where we're just stealing products from each other. Uh, well, you're not really describing a free market there, buddy. You know, so I called them out on that. And that, that right there, um, and then when I said, you know, like what will exist in a free market is reverse engineering and competition, right? You put your product out on the market, someone picks it up, takes it apart and goes, yeah, we could build this cheaper, right? And, you know, and so they took issue with that as well. So those, those, then the conversation devolved completely. Just, you know, I, I, I called it like mocked and blocked, right? No one wanted to have a civil conversation with me for like the first day. And a few people jumped in. Finally, one guy came to my defense a little bit um, and tried to explain to these, these the, you know, these high ranking party members that this is not as big of a deal as they're making it out to be, right? And to my credit, again, um, what I said all along to these high-ranking party members was the community response is appropriate, right? If someone copies a product uh, in a free market environment, you're more than welcome to point out that it's a copy, and you're more than welcome to call for a boycott, right, or in or an informational campaign, letting consumers know that this is not the genuine article, that this is a copy of the genuine article, right? And I said that's perfectly fine. The community response to this is perfectly acceptable type of response, right? It's it's the conflating uh, this again. It's 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 conflating this with a free market number one, and also coming from someone who admittedly had no idea what they were talking about from the beginning of the video. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the idea of intellectual property comes up because throughout the whole thing, they're screaming from the rooftops, this is theft, this is theft, this is theft. And I keep telling them that nothing was stolen, right? They, they, they plagiarized the website, right? You know, I will I, I, I grant facts where there are facts, right? They plagiarized the website. They took uh, design components from the original product. And although their product looks eerily similar, it is not the same. Um, and they named it something eerily similar to the original. And I would assume that, you know, is not uh, not some sort of uh, attempt to steal from the original, but because people are comfortable with a certain name, right? And you call yours something similar, right? Like Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, generic cola, right? Like right next to each other on the shelf there because you, you know, or, or what's the other one? Like uh, Mr. Pibb and Dr. Pepper, right? You know it's not the same thing. But it sounds the same, so you have an idea that this is about the same as the other product, you know. So, but no, uh, mocked and blocked, um, and like ridiculed. And again, no one, none of the high-ranking party members wanted to have a civil discussion about it. They just wanted to scream from the rooftops that this is theft, uh, and that you know I was wrong for even considering uh, that this is not a theft because clearly, clearly it's a theft. Uh, and so yeah, that's that's what I wanted to get off my chest. Because, uh, like you said, Ken, intellectual property doesn't exist. Once the original creator puts his product on the marketplace, uh, anybody can then grab that product, uh, you know, uh, learn from it, retro, uh, uh, reverse engineer it, as I suggested, uh, and make anything similar to compete with it. Uh, 
Uh, and one guy even like tweeted back. He said, I, I don't even want, I don't, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope or a dangerous world or whatever. When you're saying that uh, theft of products is what leads to innovation in the marketplace. Now, I didn't, I didn't say that. I said, it's a part of it. Right. And if you don't have, if you can't rest on you, if you can't make one product and charge obscene prices forever, right. You may have to make new products as people steal your idea. Right. Or, and I don't even like to use the word steals. People copy your idea and make their own products cheaper. And uh, they go like, well, it's, it's not going to be as good because they don't have the components and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? It's cheaper, right? It gives, it gives people who may not be in the, may not want to spend that kind of money on the original product, number one, a chance to get into the marketplace uh, at a lower cost and, and kind of get their feet wet, right? If, you, if you're saving 20, 30, 40 bucks on a product, uh, yeah, maybe all of a sudden it goes like, I'll give this idea a shot. Maybe this is the method of which I want to use uh, to connect my old consoles to my new screen, right? And then as you get more involved with the community, then maybe you go up and you invest in the higher quality product with you know more features and whatever. Um, but no, they don't even want to allow for that. It's like one guy held above all the others uh, and no one is allowed to even remotely compete with him because he's already got the product in that marketplace. So many things that you say are really right on. One point that I really like is the fact that you're saying you're putting this, the consumer as supreme in this relationship in the market, not the producer. And that's absolutely the, the case. The, um, the whole idea of, um, of a intellectual property right is assuming that the guy who comes up, who, who puts together an idea, and I'm not even saying that it's his idea or originates the idea. He's maybe, he may not even be the first guy who did it. He's the first guy who maybe registers it. Uh, his The idea is derived from all the things that came before it. And the whole purpose of the marketplace is to get the ideas as quickly as possible into a product usable for the consumer. And where you limit the competition and you limit the use of ideas uh, essentially, you uh, you eliminate the incentive for people to quickly as possible uh, get the e- incremental improvements on an idea to the consumer. Right. Um, another thing that you've highlighted here is the fact that people are really, really emotionally impassioned over this distinction. I called them out for that, too. Like you guys are way too emotionally invested in this and you're not even thinking clearly because I'm not even supporting the new product, right? I'm not even saying like the new product is the best thing ever. I admitted the community's response is justified uh, and acceptable uh, form of form of, of, of pushback against it. But I got like I got no emotional involvement in this at all. Just pointing out the facts and the obvious. And they're just like I said, just too way too emotionally invested. Please continue. If the idea of a game uh, can be said to be the property right of, of the originator. Well, then let's see. The first person who ever came up with a game, does he have the right to all further games after that? I mean, all the other gamers were essentially making variations on the concept of a game. Why not just have an umbrella uh, assertion that that all games um, are his prerogative and, and everyone has to get a license for him before they can make any game? Because I mean, every isn't every game some kind of variation on the ones that came before? Yes. Well, and that's that's a whole other issue that I didn't even get to touch on uh, in this in this uh, back and forth conversation that I was having on uh, social media, Twitter, right? Is the the in my opinion, and they will de- they will deny this. High ranking party members will deny this, and they they have their own way to self justify, right? But in my in my opinion, the entire retro gaming community. Uh, is based on piracy, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. So much of it is, you know, to say that a particular person originated an idea is is really saying that there was no fertile ground from which to be building on. You know, and I would say that all ideas are are building on this mountain of ideas that every new person who comes along is standing on. Yeah, well, uh, stand on the shoulders of giants, as the saying goes. That's right. And then to say that you owe a royalty to that person, well, then does that person owe a royalty to everyone who came before him for every every increment or a part of a, an idea that they uh, borrowed and, and used themselves? 
Right. I, and they they would say no in when it's convenient for them. Right. So this is this is the excuse uh, that I see in the community, and again from from high ranking party members. Right. It's and when I say that the uh, the retro community is is it has a foundation of piracy. Um, what I mean by that specifically is that there's a lot of old games like the software that is no longer available. Right. Like it's 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 prohibitively expensive or just doesn't exist, like belongs in a museum somewhere kind of a thing. Um, and the community itself to get around this issue um, has has pirated hundreds of thousands of games and made them available online so you download like you don't buy the game you don't purchase the 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 video game cartridge like you used to Uh, you just download the software and then you know they they've created devices that you can either play the downloaded software on the old hardware or uh through emulation right so so, uh, software playing other software um excuse me and none of this is licensed by the original copyright holders that they 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 hold in such regard, right? Like Nintendo doesn't want you pirating their games. They're one of the they're one, they're one of the worst companies when it comes to cracking down on software piracy, even for old technology like the original Nintendo and you know the Super Nintendo and all that other stuff. They're the worst, right? They they crack down on so many other sites that were just like linking to this. Um, but the people within this community, they don't want to respect the big corporations' licensing and, and copyright claims, right? Because that's inconvenient for them to play all these games that you can no longer get hold of physically. So their excuse, this is this is the terminology, terminology that they've come up with to justify their piracy, right? To justify their violation of copyright claims and, and trademark claims and, and, you know, infringements and all that, uh, as they go, well... We're doing it for historical preservation, right? These companies have long since abandoned this software. And since it's no longer supported by the copyright holder uh, for historical preservation, we're just going to go ahead and download it. You know, it's like when, when a book goes out of print, right? Like, how do you get the book? Well, you, you know, previously you just couldn't or you pay outrageous prices. Um, I'm going to I'm going to sidetrack for a minute uh, because uh, M, uh, you know, freak. Fr- uh, occasional co-host of the show um found a book that she really liked it's like it's it's a hawaiian book um it's got some really important lessons that she values in there but it's out of print right and when we first started looking for this book you could find like a used copy at the bookstore for like 20 bucks i'm like damn that's a lot for a used book right and then we looked again a couple of years later and it was like 35 bucks for a nice used copy and recently she bought one on ebay uh for like 50 bucks you know for a nice used copy um and I, and I told her, I'm like, the price keeps going up, right? At some point, if you really want this information to get out there, you're going to have to pirate that book. And she goes, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I go, well, there's a service that you get a good, you get like a really good copy of the book. You send it to them. They digitize the book. But in that process, they destroy that one good copy, right? So the world loses one good physical copy of this book. Um, but in turn gets an infinite supply of digital copies, right? So she can continue to pass along this information to generation to generation to generation uh, because it's now digitized and you can't, you know, there's, there's no longer losing that, uh, you know, proper backups, you know, uh, uh, aside. Um, and so it's, it's similar to what the, what these, what these retro guys, this, the, the, this retro cabal of high ranking party members says, right? It's like, well, we can no longer get these out of print games, right? They're, they're no longer being made. They're long since abandoned, but for historical preservation, for, 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 for posterity's sake, they must be preserved. So now everyone has a copy, right? Right. Um, but, and so, and so you can violate copyright and violate uh, patents and whatnot for all this stuff for, for their reason of historical preservation. But if you do that, to a new producer, right, who's who's producing uh, the same style of software for the same old systems, but is releasing it in 2019 now, right? Well, no, you can't do that, right? Because that's a community member, that's a party member um, who's you know who's putting these games out, and that copyright must be protected, right? Violate the copyrights of all the past video game producers and content producers of the past, not a problem. That's historical preservation, but new products coming out. Right, uh, unallowed to unallowed unallowed to pirate uh, or make copies of in their mind. 
right? Because because those people belong to the party. Those people are part of the, the, the modern day retro community and deserve protection, whereas all these other people don't. Uh, and so the same with this, the, you know, this hardware, this piece of hardware that uh, we're discussing at present. And I'm not even going to mention the name of it because I don't want to give that dude any more support, right? It's a great product, by the way. Everyone loves it. I was going to buy it at some point, right? It was on my list of things I might need in the future. Um, and I still might because it's still the best one out there, right? But I'm going to try to find it secondhand now. I don't want to support him directly after all this nonsense, like lost a customer. Um, but those guys are protected, right? The hardware, the, the, the modern day hardware for all these old systems protected because those people are working within the community uh, and so on. Ken, now, MC? Yeah, MC, what, what's your thought on this? Um. Well, I look at it from a couple of different ways, and and that's uh, one, one the supposed the supposed benefit of of uh, intellectual property rights is that it encourages innovation, and the but the bad thing is is that it encourages government encroachment on our lives and our freedom. So, if I had to to pick one. I, I would pick freedom and uh, I would I would say, okay, well, I'll have to put up with the possibility of somebody mass producing my idea. Um, but on but on the plus side, um, government could be a lot smaller. So I think it would benefit more people to have to, to focus on having a smaller government than to focus on uh, letting one guy have all the benefit from you know his his idea so um there, you know there's so there's pros and cons but uh you know it one i think one is more dangerous and i think leaving it to the government rather than let people decide whether they want the original product or not um i think uh i think having a a, a large government is a much bigger threat yeah. Well, I so I sort of brought that up too, right? Cuz again, this this conversation went from I didn't really like this dude's video to into this whole intellectual property debate. And I may I haven't flushed this out entirely, so maybe Ken you can uh, give me some insight on this. I I I could make the argument uh that intellectual property stifles innovation uh because number 1 when that dude gets the patent or the copyright on his particular product, uh he can ride that out number one, because no one else can make a similar one. So he's now resting on his laurels, so to speak. Um, and because he's resting on his laurels and no one else can do anything with it, no one else can look at it and, and see if there's ways to improve it and then make, make an improvement upon it to go forward because the, to, to work on it, to improve upon it violates his patent. So innovation doesn't occur. You get stuck with this one product that one guy makes. Um, and I'll share with you another anecdote. Uh, for a similar thing. So one of my console, I don't mind sharing, uh, telling too much about this one. Um, one, I have a, a Dreamcast and I bought a specific Dreamcast uh, to, to, to toy around with. So I, I, I have my original one that's un, unaltered and then I bought this new one. Um, and you can buy uh, a chipset that replaces the CD-ROM uh, and laser on the Dreamcast that allows you to play games off of an SD card. Are you with me so far? Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. So the guy that designed this chip that allows for this is like Polish or something. He's, he's European. Uh, to buy the original costs like 500 bucks, right? And the designer of this chip, right, is also, uh, I'm going to say lackadaisical, I guess, in his production. Like he doesn't always produce it. There's, there's no consistent production schedule. Uh, there's no consistency on if and when he's going to produce it. He just goes, okay, I'm going to make like 15 more. And then everyone lines up to buy the original from him, you know, for 500 bucks, right? So you, you can't even get the original because it's not even available. Um, but Chinese knockoffs on eBay, 75 bucks. So guess which one I have in my Dreamcast? <laughs> Chinese knockoff, if if it wasn't obvious, right? Uh, Not because because I don't want to support the original creator, 
but he doesn't want to support consumers. He doesn't want to support customers. He doesn't even want to have customers because he's not even producing anything on a regular basis. And the Chinese have figured out how to do it for like 15% of the cost. So rather than 500 bucks, now 75. And will it fail sooner? Who knows? Seems to be working fine to me, right? Same chipset, same idea. Uh, you, you get the picture. I get the idea definitely that that uh, patents intellectual property uh, stifles innovation and that then hurts the consumer because it deprives them of all the multitude of varieties of innovations incrementally that could have gone for any new product and idea. And behind that is an idea that the, that, that the sole motivator of the inventor, the creator, is a monetary payoff, you know, that, ah, uh, the only thing that motivated them to get into this idea business at all in the first place was that they're going to get a big, um, uh, they're going to get rich from it. Well, actually, that's one motivator, but there are a lot of motivations for people to be in the creative, innovative business. A lot of people have contributed, let's say, to uh, things online uh, like Wikipedia. A lot of people yep. have contributed to that concept without having to have to own it. They just got excited about being a part of the creation and the and the evolution of the of the concept i'm it's my understanding that isn't it linux uh, is a, a a system of software that benefits by a lot of inputs from a lot of people and it's yeah. evolving and the entire open source movement behind that and fashion they don't have patents on fashion but they there's no shortage of of uh innovation there in fact uh, a high impulse to immediately get incremental new ideas to the consumer and that's where the benefit comes in um it uh the whole concept of letter patent derived from the king's authority to give out a privileged monopoly position to a favored noble or friend and uh, make them rich by excluding all the competition and the idea was borrowed into um the uh, concept of well, that's that's the way we'll motivate uh, innovators. But it, it essentially rewarded the the few innovators that uh, were lucky enough to have the um, the legal capability of of registering a patent and excluding all the other people who are working on it. A good example of that is the is the telephone. There were people, hundreds of people, working on harmonic telegraphers. Um, they were able to send sound by wire, but they were trying to make it uh, so that it was audible and clearly uh, a vocal sound that you could that you could hear. And um, uh, one guy who is said to have come up with uh, a device long before uh, Bell did um, was a, a poor mechanic working on it day and night. Uh, he uh, earned only you know maybe a hundred dollars a year and uh, he couldn't pay the $50 patent application fee. So he didn't didn't register a patent. Um, and there was another guy, Elisha Gray, who was constantly working on lots of ideas and had filed for a, a caveat, a, a registration at the uh, patent office saying this is what he was working on. On the same day that Alexander Graham Bell filed for a, uh, a similar uh, patent application, and it was uh, found out that the patent officer had illegally informed Bell of what was in Elisha Gray's uh, uh, application. And one week later, he had a working model based on ideas that were in part derived from the other guy's application. Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that part of the story. And it was probably the most valuable patent that was issued at the time. And, and basically, trying to get a lot of money out of it, they uh, had very, very little development of the telephone uh, system at a very high price for very few customers. Only when the patent expired that there was a huge explosion in the in the uh, development and spread of telephone material to consumers uh, in because there was a huge number of, of competitors that, that were e eager to get into the telephone business. But it was always constrained by additional developments in switches and amplifiers and other things. But the, the, I think it's similar in almost every other field. You can go the way thinking that only one well-connected um, uh, developer of an idea 
uh, should have the exclusive right to an idea or that thousands of individuals each adding incremental in, uh, advancements to an idea. And I, I, I go with the latter. The free market approach is one, I think, which would benefit consumers much uh, more greatly. And that's, uh, that's what the purpose of the marketplace is, to get things to the consumers faster and, and more productively as, they're, as they choose rather than as the yep. government chooses. Well, and in this case, as, as the high-ranking party members of the retro cabal, the, the, the retro community, right? Because the original creator, high-ranking party member in the retro community, which means that any anyone that tries to introduce a product similar to his is going to face this uh, onslaught of negative press and backlash from, from high-ranking party members that know, but also from lower-ranking party members that are trying to get in the good graces, right? Like this ignorant YouTube guy, right? Who just, who read five minutes of, of, of information and then spouted off his mouth, but he wasn't, he wasn't adding any value, right? He was basically just repeating what the high ranking party members had already decided, right? Like this guy, this new, this, uh, uh, company introducing this new product bad for, for stealing. Uh, we must all support uh, party member, uh, you know, I'm going to say the name party member, Mike, uh, in, in his endeavors, right? Otherwise, you know, other, otherwise you don't belong uh, in, in this community or this party. Uh, another quick antidote, just to, before I lose the, the train of thought, with regards to IP, I don't, I can't verify it because I've never really looked up, but I heard uh, that, you know, the uh, WD formula, uh, WD-40 formula, like you, yeah. you to, that, you know, yeah. loosens things. Um, I read or heard uh, that that does, that, that formula does not have a patent. Because the company that produces WD-40 didn't want to divulge the secret recipe for, for the formula. <laughs> like Coca-Cola, in a way. Right. So, you know, no, you, you can take a can of WD-40 and you can try to reverse engineer it all you want. Um, and maybe you come close to what they've got. But the, the actual publication of that formula is not in public records anywhere. Uh, because they don't want, they, it's a secret formula. It's locked away in a vault, you know, supposedly somewhere. And they're the only ones that know the true, the, the, know the true formula. And which is why, right, without a patent, without intellectual property, uh, they're, you know, they're the number one, uh, I don't even know what to call that stuff. Uh, degreaser, lubricant. Loosener, lubricant, yeah, on the market, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's part of, it's part of a meme, right? If it, if it's supposed to move uh, and it doesn't, and, and uh, does, WD-40. And what does WD stand for? That I don't know. Do you know? Water displacement. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Yeah. So there uh, you go. Yeah. So it's pretty cool stuff. But uh, there's uh, another sad story about the uh, intellectual property. There's this guy, he, he invented a way to fill up multiple water balloons simultaneously uh, with one with one uh, uh, water uh, outlet. And he, he tried to patent it and uh, and sell it. But when when he did the patent, um, well, the, the Chinese uh, manufacturers uh, tried to duplicate it and, and they started selling their product before he could. And so all the stores got all these cheap knockoffs that don't work as good as his. <laughs> and then when when he tried to stop them, they countersued. And since they have more money, uh, the patent process is actually working against him. And uh, so he's basically you know broke and uh can't sell his product and yeah it's just a horrible story you can look it up online but okay i think i remember seeing something about this was uh either earlier this year or last year or in in recent memory for me at least right it's it's recent within the okay. last five years i think but yeah it's just uh the, the government uh, you know they're they're so cumbersome and uh people that that have a lot of money can use it to manipulate the system um yeah so it's it's not always the best way to do things um yeah we've already had another couple examples of that in our conversation here so so okay so i'm gonna throw this out there for both of you then just 
with relation to him, his product being ripped off by the Chinese, uh, this is the concern, right? This is why we need patents and why we need IP protection is so that when, uh, you know, uh, a high ranking party member uh, produces this product, that it doesn't immediately get ripped off by the Chinese. And he has the opportunity to make some money off of this prior to the influx of cheap Chinese knockoffs flooding the market. Uh, and which which is which is what happened, you know, in in the case of the water balloon guy with with with, with right. supposed IP protection. Yeah, and it, and it's not Tim. I mean, this this is a reoccurring theme right. that that uh, if if you're if you're a big company, the the patent patent might work to your advantage. But if you're a, a small in, inventor, uh, it probably won't. So it doesn't help the small guy. Okay. Ken, if, if you're a small, if you're a small in, how do how do we as a society or how does a system work where the the small uh, inventor is incentivized to innovate and produce these you know little niche products um, without fear of being flooded uh, by big company knockoffs? Well, people's incentive structure is de- is determined by the system. I mean, if you know that. Uh, a low-cost uh, producer in China is able to produce an item uh, so much cheaper than you can produce it here. You've got the idea. Um, then it might incentivize these people to immediately go to the low-cost producer in China and say, well, here's an idea, um, and I'll, I'll share it with you if you um, sign a contract with me to, to produce a you know, certain con. Uh, quantity and so on i think we have a right in our i mean i think we're overlooking the value of contracts and fraud i think you can make a case that um someone i mean if you want to reward let's say you you even mentioned this earlier i could have rewarded the guy who i thought was the originator of the idea uh, by purchasing his at a higher price or I could just buy it a lot cheaper from this other source in China. Um, I think that's a legitimate alt- option that you have. You can, and people often do, pay more to reward the person that they consider to be the originator of an idea. Um, and, and I likely uh, would have if he was if his price was more, wasn't five times as much as the Chinese product, and was available to purchase. It may have been more of a consideration for me. Right. But to, to produce as sporadically as he does means I probably still wouldn't have the product and I'd be waiting to reward him at a 500 percent markup. Yeah. And those are options that you've got in the marketplace to reward someone. Now, if the person from the other source in China, for example, claimed that theirs was made by him and authorized by him, then you've got a case of fraud. And I and I, I believe that the courts have a. Um, uh, a proper role in in prosecuting force and fraud, but uh, it isn't fraud to just say, uh, "Here's the product," yep. and uh, it, it, it's not authorized by him. It's not uh, with his label on it, um, but it's a product that follows the same idea. Uh, I think it's virtually impossible to uh, for the government and uh, to say you can that the government can monitor ideas all over the place. I conceded that point with this discussion as well, because they said like, well, you know, it, maybe it's even a case of fraud. Like, well, it's not even fraud because the new company, right, isn't claiming to be producing this product, right? They're claiming to be producing a competitor to this product, albeit similarly named and similar looking, right? So it's, you know, it, it's not like they just, it's not like they're repackaging. It's not like they're taking like cheap parts and calling it the name of the original product, right? Because yeah. I would say, well, that, then then you might have a, a, a claim for fraud uh, because, the consu- because the consumer is not getting the product they've expected to get. Uh, but they, they, like Mr. Pibb and Dr. Pepper, right, this, in this particular case, they've changed the name of the product to something similar to the original so that you know when they're side by side on the shelf, right, that this, this is a, this is a, com- a comparable product to the original uh, for, you know, a fraction of the price. In a way, you're saying it's the generic version of it. <laughs> Basically, sure. Yeah. 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 
it's it's not cheap, right? It's not it's it's not you know it's not like it's not like the one that I bought from China, which is like one fifth the price. Um, it's like I said, it's like twenty or thirty bucks cheaper than the original. Um, but they're not claiming it to be the original, right? They're saying like you know th- this original product does this f- uh, pr- uh, provides this particular function. Here's our product uh, modeled after the original product that provides a similar function for less, right? And I think you have to acknowledge that in the marketplace, in a free society, there is no guarantee that the small guy is going to come out ahead or that the small guy is going to be protected. You can, you can protect his right to his reputation and to his name, but not to um, the ideas that he has. Because if you do so, then you've got to go back, well, where did he get his ideas? Are you going to protect... Uh, uh, and and say that his mother has a right to sue him because she raised him in a certain way to think a certain way and uh, come up with certain ideas. No, you, ideas have a life of their own and uh, can't always be, um, uh, you know, attributed and rewarded from their source. And you'll never get that far. Like I said, as as soon as as soon as you went against like you know the high ranking party members, it was it was mocked and blocked, which means they they poked fun, and then they blocked you on Twitter, so you couldn't even respond anymore or see what they were still what the the, the nonsense that they were still typing. And shortly after, uh, you know, just to get back to the this discuss, this discussion, shortly after, um, you know, I I you know I I was reading through some of the other feeds, uh, the the dude that jumped in, kind of like I said, kind of to my defense he was he was one of like all the people that commented on this to like actually take my side on certain issues right i don't think we agreed 100 percent, but for the most part we were on the same page and as soon as he pointed this out uh to the original creator of this original product um you know i I was reading the comments uh like you know oldest ones first and so i replied and went be careful man if you you, if you go up against them you're going to get blocked Uh, and then as i scrolled (laughs) up higher Right to, to the more frequent ones, he was already blocked. Like with, within a matter of hours, um, he you know he 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 dared to defy the great cabal of high-ranking party members and found himself on the block list too. So they, you know they don't want to hear it. That's the other thing, right? Uh, if 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 you go against them, that you you stand no chance. They they will they will you know dig in their heels, uh, put up their defenses, uh, you know have have mass block you so that no one else you know so that you're minimized um and that they're the only opinion uh that that gets heard from the from from you know the high-ranking party members well that's what you uh uh expect from a voluntary organization what you don't expect is from a compulsory organization like the government that has the power of force because then yes then they can outlaw you, put you in jail, uh, and uh, and put anyone in jail who uh, assists you. Or I mean, they, they, it's a it's that same kind of sense of intolerance um, right. given the gun. Right, but and and yet you know they they are not the government, so they can't do those things. But they were definitely advocating for some type of force or some type of violence be used against uh, you know the the new company uh, pr- producing the generic product. Um, you know, even though they even though all they could do for consumers is you know mock and block, right? They're like you know so some some legal action should be taken. You know so the FBI should be involved, right, to investigate this claim. Like what? It, ooh, you guys are way off the rocker uh, at this point. But yeah, but it just there, you know there are such things as patent trolls too, who gather up old old patents and spend their lives. Um, and their fortunes going after anybody that that they can find that, that I mean I suppose that another person independently comes up with the idea on their own then old patents from some other sources can be used to shut them down you know the case of the zipper is an interesting one the zipper was in fact it's a brand in, name well okay uh, interlocking uh, yeah uh, uh, no, continue. Just call called. it a zipper, but call it, it's from like the YKK company or something like that. Well, please there, do were, continue. there were three sources of people who in, invented this simultaneously, almost simultaneously in three different parts of the world. And this builds on the idea that ideas are um, building on ideas that came before them. And there's just a, a point in time in which the idea is 
is ripe for discovery, you might say, because of all the other discoveries that have come before. Now, it's my understanding that they they had a real tr- problem with that one, of uh, saying who to uh, you know to attribute this to. But that's the point that the I- ideas themselves uh, you can't a- attribute to just the first person that came along because well you'll probably never get that. You'll get the the person who was first able to have enough legal clout to to file a patent application. There was a guy George yeah. Selden who went around, he was a, law, a patent lawyer uh, at the turn of the last century, looking around and seeing what people were doing with horses' carriages. And, from per, and he went from barn to barn to barn, you know, looking at what people were, were doing. And he filed uh, patents on everything that they were doing. So finally, when they came out with automobiles, um, he started to sue them all, saying, well, you've got to pay me a license uh, in order to use what you've been working on. And they started to succumb to that because he had all the legal clout behind him. Yep. But finally, one guy refused to, and that was Henry Ford. He says, no nice. way. And he challenged him in the court. At first, he lost, but on appeal, he, he finally won. And therefore, you know, it was, it was acclaimed here that George Selden was just simply um, a patent lawyer, you know, gathering together every patent possible to, um, uh, that, that other in, inventors and innovators hadn't been able to do or hadn't thought of doing because they were just inspired to create the new idea a a recent example of that could have prevented this show from ever airing uh because in the early days of podcasts a lot of them were getting shut down because uh, of a patent troll um who had who somehow uh uh, managed to get a patent that proved that he invented the podcast um and that all these podcasts that were coming out at the time and and you know making money with advertising whatever uh owed him a fee. And so he did the same thing. He sued, he sued, he sued. Um, and I think it was, uh, Adam Carolla. Does that name ring a bell of Mancho fame and the, the yep. radio host? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's one that said like, no, I'm not going to pay. Take me to court and we'll, you know, we'll litigate. Um, and I don't remember the exact results of the case, but those patent trolls, uh, who were trying to prevent, you know, were trying to get podcast to pay them uh to to be produced like every podcast ever had to go through them you know it, it, allegedly um they just went away right like, they lost the case or settled or did something um but because one man right adam carolla decided to stand up uh to the patent trolls uh you know now now we have an abundance of podcasts available for anyone to listen to at any time so it only it only takes one you know to, to stand up to this nonsense uh, I could say that this this applies also to copyrights on publications. Um, I have a book. I have it copyrighted so that I'm so that somebody else can't copyright my material and prevent me from uh, working with it. But I would prefer. I, I really much prefer this concept of creative co- Creative Commons. Yep. Where I assert, you know, it's it's free for you to to do with. Um, acknowledge uh, an author on here um, and uh, do as you wish. I, I kind of, I, I really like that because the whole idea of writing the book is that I wanted people to to see the ideas. I didn't yeah. really want to or expect to get rich from it. I wanted the ideas spreading. And so if other people are wanting to want to print the book and spread it, in fact, I've, I've heard that in Russia, there's a number of people who are publishing and printing my book Um and I think that's They're great. stealing from you, Ken. <laughs> and I don't feel hurt at all. I feel thrilled and flattered that they want to <laughs> that they want to publish that book. Now I, I prefer that they not alter it. I prefer that they go ahead and give my my name uh, uh, to it. Um, yep. But you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over the use of it because I think the broad um, use of the book and now and published in 54 languages. I've never had any, actually, I've never had anybody um, want to publish it without my permission. And because knowing that I was going to freely grant the permission, they they politely send me a letter and say, you know, can we have permission to publish your book? And I say, fine. And you you can keep all the, I tell them you can keep all the revenues too, because I, that will motivate you maybe in, in finding distributors and, and keeping the price down so that more and more people will read it. I don't derive any money from it, but that's. You know, other people have different attitudes, uh, you know, about about uh, a book they write. But on the other hand, my book was derived from 
many other authors. I get my ideas in economics uh, from Friedrich Bastiat, Milton Friedman, uh, Ludwig von Mises, uh, Murray Rothbard, David Friedman, uh, Friedrich Hayek. Uh, who am I to say that that the next person that comes along can't add to her, uh, the ideas uh, as I did theirs? <laughs> yeah. I think you would take issue, maybe I'm wrong, if someone wrote a book, right, uh, that was completely different from your work, uh, but called it, you know, uh, The Adventures of Jonathan Gullible, and it had your listed as the author's name, right, and tried to pass that off as your work. Like, that would, I would say that would fall under some sort of fraud. Sure. Okay. Exactly that. If they use my name, associating it with something that I, that I have not, uh, you know, that is in violation of my beliefs and, and so on. Yeah, then, then I, I could sue on fraud. But I mean, the, the world is so big. You know, they say, oh, well, gee, uh, um, is there enough room for two copies uh, uh, of your book out there? There's there's seven billion people out there. There's there's plenty of room for, you know, uh, copies of, of, uh, of all kinds of variations of books and let the people decide what it is that they prefer. And actually, I do like the idea that people will prefer, um, orig- uh, you know, um, authors that have established a reputation for for early contribution. Yeah. But I would never go to the state and say, well, you've got to you've got to um uh shut them down with a gun uh, because of what they're doing. I might actually I like the idea of reputation a lot. It takes a lot to build up a reputation in a free market. And uh and so uh, I think that's the place where you go after it by um, getting boycotts of people against them or, or you can get a whole lot of people to respond in a negative way about something or somebody who's flying in the face of, um, of authenticity. Yeah. And again, to, to tie this back to the original issue, I said that's perfectly fine, right? If you want to say that this new company has produced a copy of some original work uh, and that if you want to support the original uh, creator, the original engineer, this is the product to buy and we should not be buying stuff from this company. Perfectly valid response. Exactly. Exactly. Not a problem with that. But to, to, to call it theft, to bring out, you know, to say that litigation is necessary to prevent them from selling their version Right, I thought was a little bit uh, above board, or below board, where however that works. <laughs> MC, I, ho- I hope we're not um, crowding you out um, with this discussion. No, I, I I like my new job of listening. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have anything to add? Because I th- I think we you know we we've pushed it no, enough, and I've I, got I headlines. I think we we beat it to death. Okay. Uh, any, was there anything else you guys wanted to get to, or should I just get to the headlines then? Um, yeah, headlines is good. All right. Headlines. You ready, Ken? Because you, yeah. you didn't get a preview of this ahead of time. Love it. Yeah. Headline. Krispy Kreme orders Minnesota student who bought resold donuts to shut down operations. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause there because, <laughs> I, because I think this is an old article. Um, and I think there's been an update to it, which I don't have. So if you, if you want to get into that, uh, we'll try to get into that and then maybe yeah. find the update. I read, I read the update. All right. You read the update? I don't, okay. I don't know where it is, but I just saw it today. Okay. So maybe, uh, up to you guys then. Uh, headline, cities, tribes, try a new environmental approach, give nature rights. Uh, headline, the fight against home sharing drives up the price of short-term housing. A headline, new DNA evidence likely exonerates a Texas death row inmate. The government won't test it. A headline, cop who arrests El Chapo's son executed after gunmen shoot him 155 times. A headline, how to end the drug cartel violence in Mexico. So those tied together. A headline, a Michigan man underpaid his property taxes by $8.41. The county seized his property, sold it, and kept the profits. And finally, headline, <laughs> while you slept, the U.S. government created internal passports. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw it to you, Ken. Any, any one of those jump out and you really want to Well, I got to hear into? more about Krispy Kreme, but I, I tell you, are, are we living on the same planet? <laughs> are these things really happening? Hey, that's I, I scour the news. I, I spend like a few hours a day reading news headlines 
to find these headlines that jump out at me. Um, and then these are the ones where there was, you know, that I've, I skimmed the article and it was worthy of discussion, right? So I've, <laughs> I've, re- I've read a lot more nonsense than just these nine headlines or eight or, eight or nine headlines uh, this week. But you, so Krispy Kreme, you want to start with that one? Yeah, what's the story on that? I, I... Okay, so I'll read through this. Uh, MC, while I'm reading this, if you, if you want to like see if you can find the update um, or I'll just kind of do my thing and see what I remember from the update. Uh, the people of Minnesota appear to once again be without Krispy Kreme donuts. A Minnesota college student who drove 270 miles to Clive, Iowa every Saturday to buy up 100 boxes of donuts and drive them back has been told to shut down his money-making gig by the donut giant itself. Jason Gonzalez, 21, would drive to the nearest Krispy Kreme roughly four hours away and pack his car full of boxes of donuts, which cost about $8 for a dozen glazed God, I love Krispy Kreme. <laughs> to, then, to then drive the four hours back and serve them to his Twin Cities area customers. Gonzalez, who studies accounting at Metropolitan, uh, Metropolitan State University in St. Paul, was about to make his 20th run to Clive, according to his Facebook page, when Krispy Kreme contacted him to tell him to shut down operations. I bear some bad news. A post from Gonzalez's business Facebook, Krispy Kreme Run Minnesota, reads, Unfortunately, for, uh, unfortunately, the run for this Saturday will not be taking place, as I have been told I have to shut down operations. I figured it would come eventually, but it arrived early without the surrounding articles. Gonzalez referred to the article St. Paul, uh, po- excuse me, St. Paul Pioneer Press wrote about his entrepreneurial spirit a week earlier, which put him on Krispy Kreme's radar. Uh, the student who charged 17 to $20 per box of 12 donuts, more than double what he paid, and had some customers pay $100 per run, was reportedly told his side gig was a liability for Krispy Kreme, the Associated Press reported. In a statement from Krispy Kreme to the Associated Press, the donut chain said it's investigating the situation. We appreciate Jason's passion for Krispy Kreme and his entrepreneurial spirit as he pursues his education, the statement reads. There has not been a Krispy Kreme outpost in Minnesota for 11 years, which prompted the high demand Gonzalez saw. However, the student is taking the news in stride. On his Facebook, he ended his statement informing his customers he would no longer be delivering donuts with a thank you to his followers and a hope for the future. Life happens, and it could be a sign that something else is meant to be. Appreciate everyone's love and support to make this happen. Couldn't have done it without you all, he wrote. Uh, also, you can add me on Facebook as well. Maybe add another entrepreneurial adventure. You will be interested, and I would love to follow some of you as well. Gonzalez added. Uh, end of the article. So there you go, Ken. A Krispy Kreme reseller uh, uh, shut down, or at least you know threatened to be shut down uh, by the the Krispy Kreme cabal itself. Uh, did you have time to pull up the follow up to that article, MC? Uh, no, chance? but but. Basically, Krispy Kreme is helping him get your vehicle so he can make uh, even more uh, sales. <laughs> nice. So, how how ludicrous that they would sell the the Krispy Kreme boxes to him and then object where he goes with them. Yes, they, that's none of their business. If they could do that, then they could say, "Well, we can sell Krispy." cream donuts to everybody but we can't let them allow them to eat them they wouldn't be healthy <laughs> yeah Odd, oddly enough when i was working at the gas station in hawaii um there was a sam's club uh locally that would bring in crispy cream donuts um from from the uh from the maui bakery yeah yeah and our boss at the gas station would when when he would make his supply run to sam's club would buy you know 10 boxes each of like the regular glazed and the and the you know the the mixed donut box mm-hmm. and then freeze it and then slowly put it out for customers to purchase you know with their with their morning coffee or whatever so we we resold Krispy Kreme out of a gas station <laughs> after it had been frozen and thawed back out but and, oh and after it had been resold by Sam's Club Sam's, Sam's Club, Club yeah. right so <laughs> it was like a resell on a resa I uh, <laughs> You, you know, it's it's hard to deny a Krispy Kreme donut, and if you microwave it for like eight to ten seconds, man, it doesn't taste like it's straight off the box. But it's it's as close <laughs> it's as you're gonna good. get. No, right. With a, have you have you ever get, gone into like a real Krispy Kreme, Ken? Like, just oh yeah, at the, I've okay. done that. Different. And also, my students a lot of times uh, uh, do Krispy Kreme. They go over to Maui and bring back uh, 
mountains of them for for fundraisers. And and Krispy right. Kreme always accommodates them. They always uh, give them a, a discount price. They give them big box, big bags to carry nice. them on the airplane with. I've never heard of Krispy Kreme outlet being so stupid as to take on negative publicity by like this, like the way they yeah. treated this guy in Minneapolis. Even the fundraiser ones, they're good. Like I bought them off the, you know, off the side of the road for a fundraiser, but yeah. they're not as good as fresh right off the rollers. Oh my God. Like I, unfortunately where we moved uh, to New Hampshire as part of the free state project is uh, heavily saturated with Dunkin' Donuts. Mm. Uh, and there's no Krispy Kreme in sight. And it's, a, it's sad and a little disappointing because in my opinion, uh, M doesn't like Krispy Kreme, by the way. She's like, oh, it's like too much air. I'm like, they're, they're like the best donut to me. Like if, if I had to buy, if I had to get, you know, a, a, a shop donut, like a franchise donut, uh, Krispy Kreme is where it'd be for me. So this, well, this well, is wait a utter nonsense. Shouldn't, shouldn't we be asking who has the patent on donuts? Oh, um, sure. Maybe you were not allowed to have Krispy Kreme and, and uh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, competing with each other. We should have only one donut. Circular uh, pastries. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. How how long ago did that patent expire? Yeah. And what happened to the What happened to the donut holes guy? He's like, ah, as long as you're gonna punch out the middle of it, let me patent the, the leftovers too. I thought, um, you know, I I saw that as well. MC the the little follow. I didn't really read the follow up article, uh, but I just saw that you know they they changed their stance and is now helping him. And the, the other thing that I was thinking, right, is if this guy has an entrepreneurial spirit, is going to school for, uh, you know, for a county, Krispy Kreme is a franchise, right? Why not uh, assist him financially in opening up a franchise near near the school, right? That yeah, way, I'm you know, you don't even have to travel. there isn't a franchise there. Um, do they, I mean, I'm curious about that in Hawaii. Why is there only one on Maui when there's such a huge market for it in Honolulu? Um, is that part of their strategy to build their reputation by ex extreme demand and and very very limited supply? Uh, well, I don't know if they have a. I don't know if they have a say in that strategy because they're a franchise, right? Unless they're denying franchise licenses. Oh yeah, to I mean, people they, on Oahu. Well, sure, they have a say in the franchise because they can just refuse a franchise license. Right, but when yeah. when there's when there seems to be demand and no franchise, I I always assume that it's no one willing to take on the risk of purchasing the franchise license. That's my assumption. I could be wrong. It could be Krispy Kreme denying them that. Um, but yeah, when I, when, when I see like none on Oahu, one on Maui, I go, well, there's no Oahu business owner that thinks it's worth it or profitable. I go, they're probably wrong, but I'm also not willing to put my own money forward because I don't have enough to, you know, to do it. But someone might, right? Why couldn't I'm we? sure there have been people who have offered... But I mean, I don't know for a fact, but it's worth yeah. investigating. But I, I, uh, knowing how popular they are for people bringing them here, I'll bet they're they've had a lot of bids for for franchise. I, I have a, I have a feeling it's part of their strategy to, to be in. Well, I, I don't know what their strategy is. Maybe it yeah. takes some reading up on. Yeah, well, I know I when I was uh when I was living in Washington, I was living in Spokane, and I was fortunate enough to have one. I think there was like, there was one or two within relative driving distance. Like it wasn't nearby, but it was like, you know, 20 minutes on the freeway away for the nearest one. And then one, you know, a little bit further out than that, if you happen to be going a different direction. Um, so I, I, again, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have a good answer uh, because it seems like there's demand in more places than there are Krispy Kremes. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're not, maybe they're incapable of scaling, right? Maybe their franchise operation isn't big enough to, to, you know, to, to manage uh, that many additional franchises that would expand the business to tell you the truth i have mixed uh, mixed feelings about a, a franchise in town here i would eat so many of them that i would be i would double my weight here so maybe it's good for my health that it's not, <laughs> not convenient see and that could be the other thing right once that initial rush is is satiated right then it settles into like a regular place that you just go to get donuts right like i know i, I drive by two or three uh, Dunkin' Donuts here on my commute to work. Um, and I don't stop there, uh, number one, because I don't want to spend money on donuts. But every time I drive by, there's a line in the drive-thru at every location, you know, of people getting their, their coffee and donuts or whatever before work. So, you know, 
But I know they, that when the when the new one opened in Spokane, right there was like there was a line out the parking lot down the street. You had to turn the corner and whatever um, during the initial rush, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually you could go at a reasonable hour and just stand in line, right? You didn't have to. You weren't waiting hours on end. Dunkin' Donuts has, has broadened their menu too a lot for breakfast things, so that it's that is not true. Just coffee, coffee and donuts. Yeah, I've had the breakfast sandwich there. Uh, you know, occasionally when we had to stop because you know it's reasonably priced and they're there and they're in the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's enough of them. At the same time, I'm not a big fan, so I don't even I don't even want to go in if I, if I don't if I'm actually not really craving a donut. All right, uh, anything else to add, MC? No. Nope. All right. Uh, I think we're pressed for time. A little bit over, maybe. So, final thoughts from either of you, if you have any. Good time. It's fun. All right. Glad to have you back, Ken. Hope to hear from you again soon. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, Ken, do you want to plug your site and your book again? Uh, the Adventures of Jonathan Gullible, a free market odyssey now published in more than 80 editions in more than 50 languages just last week uh, the re- public release of the Dari edition in Afghanistan was published it's been produced as plays and musical production in uh, Kazakhstan plays in Africa and Eastern Europe and I'm um, always glad to have people look it up for an introduction to free market libertarian ideas at jonathangullible.com alright thank you very much for listening I'll talk to you all next week peace aloha <laughs>